Hi, I'm Rochelle Jackson, and this is The Crime Couch. I'm an investigative journalist and true crime author, and I know who's who in the zoo. The crims, the cops, and the interesting individuals in between. So get comfy and join me here on The Crime Couch. It's going to be one heck of a journey. At Police Care Australia, we know that happy cops make the world a safer place. We understand only too well the threats and pressures cops face every day and the toll it takes. That's why we've established a health and wellbeing hub or a place with resources where former and current police members, families and friends can get help and assistance. It's an online portal where you can get support and counselling with professionals that understand police. Police Care Australia is a joint initiative between the National Police Memorial and the Police Federation of Australia. You can find out more details about Police Care Australia at their website, www.policecareaustralia.org.au. Esther Mackay is a former New South Wales Police Force Detective Senior Constable who's got a fascinating life story. She's also a true crime author of two books, Crime Scene and Forensic Investigator with Penguin Random House. Esther worked for 17 years in the job, specialising in forensic services. She's an expert in crime scene, vehicle and document examination. Esther was discharged from the police force hurt in the line of duty, and began a very different journey. Today, she's a consultant manager of Police Care Australia and a program development manager for the Quest for Life Foundation. Hi, Esther, and welcome to The Crime Couch. Hello, Rochelle. When did you leave the New South Wales Police Force and why, Esther? I actually left in 2001, so it was quite a while ago. And I was medically discharged with post-traumatic stress disorder at the time. And so, yeah, it was it was uh, one of those things that just happened. I, I really didn't want to leave policing. I loved it. But unfortunately, it just impacted my mental health to the point where I wasn't able to do forensic work anymore. How difficult was it for you, not only leaving a job that you loved, but that transition from being a police officer and member to a civilian? It was, it was a bit of a weird situation because you just, because you're a bit institutionalised in the police, just doing police work for so many years, you think that way and you still think that you are, but, you, but you're not. So it, it is a transition. There's a lot of adjustment. Even your language sort of starts to soften a bit. The routine, I think one of the things is being in the police, you're always told what to do. There's a routine. So when to come to work, what shifts you're on, when to have a meal break if you get one, what to wear, when you can go on annual leave. So when that, none of that's happening anymore, it's, it, it's you've also almost got to take the responsibility for yourself again. So it, it, it's quite a weird situation when you leave. But I still feel like I am a police officer. I mean, I know I'm not, but if someone said to me, what do you do? The first thing that comes to my mind, oh, I do forensics, but I don't because it's just, I had such a love for it and I really enjoyed the work and I still love policing as well. 
Esther, why did you create the Police Post Trauma Support Group? I, I know you worked actively, have worked actively for the past 16 years as the president. Was this a sort of like a natural transition or, or something that you always wanted to do? It wasn't something I thought about consciously. It was. It came after my first book, Crime Scene, came out. A lot of people started emailing me and saying, oh, you know, I've actually, what you've talked about in your book, and you were so honest about it, I've had that as well. I've had this stress thing. I've, I've, I've had um, a change in my personality. I'm not sleeping well. And I just didn't know what it was. And you've really helped me to understand more about mental health. And as more and more of these emails came through, I thought to myself, why don't I look at, getting all the police together that I know that are off sick or who've been medically retired from the police with post-traumatic stress and having a morning tea. So I did that. I, I rang eight former cops that I knew. They all said, yeah, that sounds really good uh, because there just literally wasn't any support out there like that. And we met at the RSL club and we got there at 10 o'clock and we were still there at five o'clock in the afternoon. So it struck me there was a need and there was so much to talk about. And in those early days, I didn't really know what I was doing. But my psychiatrist, Dr. Selwyn Smith, encouraged me to, to run the, the trauma groups. And he helped me. He guided me on how to hold a group and how to not let things escalate to a point where people are being too graphic about what they're talking about and that sort of thing. And it just grew from there. Um, and after a while, I formulated a committee and then we applied to New South Wales Police to have permission to use the word police, which had to go through the minister. And we got that approval and um, we've been running ever since. So intrinsically, it's a peer-to-peer support group. We meet once a month. We started to open branches around the state as well. But we do crisis intervention. And I work very closely with a police, uh, well, a former police officer who is a chaplain now, Gary Raymond. And we have literally saved hundreds of lives over the years. We're very quiet behind the scenes. But we're available Christmas Day, no matter what. If someone rings that number or emails us through the website, we will get back to them and help them. What an extraordinary group that you've set up. It's only in New South Wales, isn't it? Is that right? It is, but we don't turn anyone away. Um, We have inquiries coming from Victoria, South Australia. We've even had inquiries from Japan and and the United States and England. Um, I've helped people overseas that have been in the police over there and have suffered with post-traumatic stress. So as much as we meet physically in New South Wales once a month, because the world is so small now with the internet, we can actually assist anyone that contacts us. We also at one stage opened it up. We sort of do triple O. So if there's anyone um, from the fire brigade or ambulance, they are more than welcome to come to our meetings. And at one stage we'd opened it up to other groups, like we had um, train drivers come and different uh, psych nurse. But we realised that the culture is so unique in policing and in triple O work we had to move away from that and just really stick to the core business. Esther, you, as you've mentioned, had a lot of personal trauma uh, through the job. Did your personal experience assist you in understanding others with that same ailment or symptoms? Absolutely. Now, lived and living experience is a really big thing. The peak body for Suicide Prevention Australia, they really embrace lived and living experience and a lot of other non-for-profits that are in the mental health um, space do the same thing. And it's very, very valued. But at the time, it wasn't really anything anyone knew or spoke about. So you were going into um, areas where you didn't have any formal qualifications. So sometimes there'd be um, qualified psychologists or um, clinicians that were a little bit standoffish um, with me. But I, I always asked. If I didn't know, I, I asked. And I did 
feel that my lived experience opened me up to being able to walk in other people's shoes and especially if they served in the police. So it most definitely has helped. And then years down the track, when I met Patria King at Quest for Life, she identified that and she wanted to start a new program called Moving Beyond Trauma. And she already had one called uh, Healing Your Life, but she wasn't really aware of the cultural aspects of first responders. And she actually employed me to come on board as their program and research manager at that time so that we could design the program with first responders in mind. So I thought that was very intuitive of her going back to 2016 to actually see the value in that. And I think, as you've already mentioned, there has been such a stigma for police members, in particular seeking mental assistance and support. So it's really crucial that programs like this are funded and come from a place where the person knows what they're doing, and, and you certainly do. Yeah, well, I've learned a lot. I mean, I've learned a lot from others and other people's experience. I've also learned a lot from Quest for Life. When I actually was working there with the Moving Beyond Trauma program, I started to become, well, I was put into a role as coordinator, program coordinator. So I actually was physically on every single program. So I learned so much from the facilitators and the psychologists and the clinicians that were running that program. And that really helped me to be a lot more non-judgmental, to be honest, because at that time, If I'd see someone that was really struggling with maybe a myriad of different mental health issues, I would say to myself, oh, it's too hard. But I realised they're the ones you really need to to support and help. If those people are reaching out, you've really got to put the effort in and and sit with it and, and help them. And they're the ones that you see the most amazing transformations. Since leaving the police, Esther, you became the patron of the Missing Persons Register and you also served as an Australia Day ambassador. What was that like? Well, the Missing Persons Register was fantastic. Nicole Morris invited me to come on board as a patron. The work she does is just amazing. She, it's all voluntary and she's always assisting families that have lost a loved one, that, that just don't know where they are or what's happened to them. She sticks with them right the way through, but she also works a lot with police. So I think that my policing background helped her to have that conduit in the early days. She's very, very skilled at what she does now, and she's just recently written a book, actually, which is a fantastic story about the jobs that she's done over the years. Well, not so much jobs, but the people she's supported to assist them. Australia Day Ambassador was a real privilege. Again, I learned a lot from that, and I would have to go to the Australia Day ceremonies. I did it for four years on the day and, and give a keynote talk and just give out the certificates to those people getting their citizenship. It was a really beautiful way to embrace Australia and what we know as this amazing country. And it was really funny, actually, because one year I was sitting in a uh, horse and cart going down the main street of Berrima in the front, and all these people are waving at me like I was the Queen. (laughs) And it was just, you know, I thought to myself, this is just really, really funny situation. But um, it just... Yeah, it really makes you realise what a great country we have and how we can all celebrate the day, no matter where you come from or what you do. Esther, you have really transformed yourself. You worked with Police Legacy and you now work for Quest for Life Foundation, where you specialise in working with traumatised first responders. What do you personally get from this work? The first thing I did at Quest, what I was, what I realised was on the Monday when our participants come in, and we normally always have police or some sort of emergency worker in the in the centre on these programs. 
They'd come in um, looking really distressed. Some of them were crying, shaking, no eye contact. Their bodies looked really stiff. They were holding themselves. Um, and your heart goes out to them. And you, you welcome them with open arms. And we, our, our um, programs are run with love. Uh, they're uh, person-centred and they run alongside medical model. They're not actually medical model, but love is a big thing. Some people have never been loved. But by the Thursday, the group has bonded. They've learnt so many skills about themselves. They've learnt lots of things about themselves to help them take that step to the next part of their journey and have hope in their life. And I see their bodies have softened. They're smiling. They're making eye contact. Some of them are laughing again. Um, it's just beautiful. And you, you send them away on the Friday with hope. And it transforms people's lives. Uh, it, it transformed mine when I did it, a Healing Your Life program in 2015. And that's why I knew that this is the program that can really change things for people for the better. But that's what I get out of it. I, I, I love to see people improving and um, families back together. Um, when I went to work at Police Legacy Backup for Life Project, that really was my passion. Um, I didn't want to leave Quest at the time, but policing is my passion. And it was a government-funded initiative to assist transitioning and former police because of the suicide rate. Things were bad back in um, 2007, 16 and 17. And so when I got that role, I designed a whole um, suite of services based on some research that they'd done. And I already had the assistance that I, the things that I'd learned at Quest. So I was able to put things in place. And to be honest, if I hadn't worked at Quest, I wouldn't have had the skills. So we did crisis care there. We ended up um, employing a psychotherapist who was a former officer himself to do the counselling. Amazing man. And we were doing a lot of intervention for suicide. So we didn't have a single suicide in that four years I was working there, which was just absolutely awesome in anybody that contacted us. And I saw huge transformations. So I started to work on transitioning police rather than, than helping them when they were broken. So getting them early, giving them the skills to understand their mental health, but then giving them the support and assistance to see their transferable skills and get them into really valuable roles if they wanted to go back to work and bringing them back into the police family because a lot of police felt very adrift and so bringing them back into the police family was very very important and what an extraordinary gift to give them that gift of hope as well so esther you're also working with police care australia now how did that come about Police Care Australia is amazing, and I'm, I'm so thrilled that I'm involved in it. But Scott Weber, who is the president of the Police Federation of Australia, who I know, um, he was involved in the Backup for Life initiative originally as well, and he saw the work that I did. He approached me and asked me, it was actually the third tier of the funding grant, which was to develop a national repository of information for mental health for our nation's police. So it's a national service, but to also um, write all of the articles on there about, you know, things like burnout, compassion fatigue, you know, what is post-traumatic stress, what is anxiety, what is depression. But from a cultural perspective that police can understand because it's so unique, which obviously I've, I had a writing background, so I was able to do that. But also to collect a, a as many service providers as possible and put them onto the website so that if you have a police officer has a child that's you know, having difficulties at school, say, and they're looking up um, adolescent anxiety. There is information, there is uh, resources and links to that to help them understand that and get the resources that they need. But it's all police-centric. We also have a counselling service, which is free. At the moment, the counselling service is aimed at former and serving police, but we hope to open it to families because Police Care Australia is for families as well and friends of police. 
So it's a little bit broader. And again, I brought on board Ernst Mayer, who was the psychotherapist I worked with at Police Legacy, because he's a former officer himself. He already knew um, the lay of the land and, and what it is like to assist police. And he actually has a lived experience of trauma himself. Um, he actually served in Germany, but he was run over on a freeway and was almost killed. And he ended up with post-traumatic stress from the physical injury as well and couldn't go back to work. So he retrained to become a psychotherapist. So he works in the body, trauma in the body. So it's a very somatic way he works, but he's absolutely beautiful clinician. And I've not had anyone that's had any counselling with him say anything but glowing reports about how he's helped them get back on track. So he's on board and we have opened that up to the nation's police. So very simple, it's online. They just have to go onto the website um, and fill in the booking form, which comes to me. It's very confidential. We, we, we're not aligned with any police forces as such, so nobody knows. And then that goes directly to Ernst and he contacts that, that person and, and then they have their counselling online. So they can be anywhere. That they, they could even be overseas, but be a former officer and they can have counselling through that. As well as, I guess, the services that we provide, we just really want to change the stigma around mental health. So that's another big thing. We've, our motto is happy cops keep a safer community and it's protect your happiness. That's so more on the positive um, because policing is very difficult at times, but it's a great job. So we want to keep good people in there in good jobs. So who's behind Police Care Australia, Esther? So it's, it's come from a joint initiative with the National Police Memorial and the Police Federation of Australia. So it's a union initiative. So all the unions around Australia are involved. You'll see all the logos on the, on the front page of the website. And yeah, it's, it, it's great to go through the unions because unions are obviously fighting for positive change. We're not aligned with the police forces, although we are working with them in, as, in, in the way that we just, uh, we're letting them know that we've got this and it's a service that they can tell their officers that, that is available. Yeah, so it's really a union initiative. It's great to have the backing of all those unions too. I know just in Victoria, there's Police Legacy, there's Blue Ribbon, there's Police Veterans Victoria. That's just in that state. So why is Police Care Australia necessary? I think where it's come from with the police, the National Police Memorial as well, that signifies the negative side of what, well, it's a positive, but, you know, negative is when, when there's an officer killed on duty and honouring that uh, moving forward and having the wall of remembrance in Canberra. So I think that that combined with the unions really looking at improving the mental health of our officers and also looking after our veterans on a national scale is really important. So Police Veterans in Victoria is amazing and there's some really amazing um, organisations out there and we're working with them. They're all on the website so that we we, uh, showcase what they do and we refer people there. But we really do look at the whole of of Australia as a nation so that we can actually see what's going on in different states and what what do they need, what do they want, what, what can we do to help them in their particular environment. How has this new resource been received by members and current and former? It's actually been received really well. I think because our logo, the way that we, I don't know logo because the logo is the, is the memorial and the, um, the federation, but our, our branding, I should say, Police Care Australia, it's positive. There's a lot of great resources on there that people are already engaging in. We're already having um, quite good engagement in the counselling service. Um, I mean, only last week I had two officers make contact with us 
who were feeling suicidal or thinking suicidal thoughts. And we were able to get onto that straight away. So the fact that they're reaching out is awesome and that they trust us. And it's a big thing to have the trust. And I know we've got to do more work with getting it out there to improve the trust because I have a lot of trust in New South Wales because I've been working in this environment for a long time. So New South Wales police know my name. But getting that out more and more to the other states is really important for us that they can feel it's a trusted service. They can look at it in the privacy of their own home. They don't actually have to do anything, but they can educate themselves on how they can actually be more responsible for their mental health and keep themselves healthy and well. Esther, who's eligible to use Police Care Australia? So it's really anyone that has served in the police or is still serving, uh, and their family members. So it's immediate family, so partners, children, also uh, friends of police. So for instance, sometimes you'll get a mate of a police officer who is a little bit concerned that his mate's not really, um, or her mate is not really uh, thriving. And then they'll go on the website and have a look and then get some education around what is burnout or what is compassion fatigue. There's a lot of videos on there that we've um, actually, Ernst Mayer has actually done, and you can see him speaking about these things, to assist their friend um, and maybe guide them in the right direction and then maybe just be there for them if they need help. That's the sort of resources. Tell us the sorts of things that are online for people that might go online and maybe want to have a look. As I mentioned, there's videos on there. There's quite a few videos about language um, and how to, like for managers, for instance, how to speak to their staff when they're doing a performance review. And rather than saying, if they're not performing, what's wrong with you? Just changing that a little bit and saying, what's happening with you? just to soften that and work out because people have lots of things going on in their life and what we've learned is that policing is one part of their life but then they may have a sick child at home or their partner may be having difficulties at their work or a parent might be ill or they might have lost a loved one and these things impact in the work that they do. So there's a lot of information about if you're feeling depressed, um, for instance, what does that feel like? What does it feel like in the body? What does it look like? What can I do to support myself and help myself in ways of, uh, you know, calming the nervous system or doing things like getting out walking or, you know, just having more engagement with family and friends? Or is there more that I can do by engaging with a provider that's on the website? You know, we've, we've got all of the state union um, details on there for their welfare, for their insurance companies. There's information about industrial relations on there. Um, it's very broad and we've tried to cover everything but I'm still adding things so if anyone comes to me and says look I've just started a a new non-for-profit or a group I'll put it on so we've got groups for women um, that may be a partner um, which is particularly for women um, that are run by former uh, or partners of serving officers or former officers and then we've got a lot of resources for partners that are just struggling and don't know where to go we can match them up with people if they need to talk to someone you know and there's there's lots and lots of variety on there. No names, no pack drill but have you had any success stories so far Esther? I know you mentioned there are a couple of members that reached out last week that were suicidal but have there been any other success stories that you can talk to us about? We have actually through the counselling service we've, we've got a number of serving officers who've come to us. Um, I mean they can go to EAP if they want to but We've got a former officer who's doing the counselling, so he really gets it. They're doing really well at work. 
So there might have just been a, a minor hiccup. There was just something, it might have been a difficult job that they did or something's happened in their private life and they just needed some support around that and some tools and strategies on how they can better prepare themselves to continue in their work being healthy. So we've had a few of those, which, which really um, impresses me that serving officers are coming forward. We haven't been around for long. They've got to give us the trust. But I think word of mouth, as this happens, the more that the word of mouth gets out there, the more that we'll see people actually trusting the service and also trusting the information that's on there. And we've just actually sent out a lot of merchandise, some diaries and mouse pads and pens and some posters to all of the state unions to disseminate throughout their stations. So you might, you know, people might see that coming out into the stations. And yeah, we hope to, yeah, we have, just hope to reach more people. Esther, if I'm a, someone who wants to access Police Care Australia, how do I do that? You just simply go online, just www.policecareaustralia.com or just put into your browser Police Care Australia and it'll come up and it'll just, yeah, it's all there. It's really easy. And Esther, finally, what's the vision for Police Care Australia? Is there a big blueprint? We do. Um, we've just been through one round of uh, a grant through, through some funding, national funding that we received, and we'll be working with them again to put in for another one. I'd like to open it up a bit more. and There's lots and lots of things we can do. There's a, an area on the website where you can actually put in ideas or comments or feedback. I've had some feedback already that people are really enjoying looking at certain areas. There's information about yoga or whatever. So we'd like to open up more. I'd like to open up to more services. As I mentioned, I'd like to open up the counselling services for the the families. We've also got another initiative which is in the pipeline at the moment, which is part of the, the original grant, which will be some online training which is being developed as well for police. And and maybe what I was thinking about was possibly running a mentor service through it. So we'd have mentors in every state, which would be some serving, some former officers. And if we get an officer that's really struggling, we match them up with a mentor. So someone that's got an interest in mental health um, and likes to work in welfare, in policing and look after their um, co-workers might be interested in coming on board, but there'll be a lot of training involved in that and a lot of monitoring because it'll be a professional service. So it's even though that will be voluntary, we'll still need to put a lot of work into that to make sure that it's working really well. There's lots of other things we can do too. I mean, there's career transition information on the website as well, and there's career transition programs that are free that are available through the website. So we could maybe open that up a little bit more as well to help people if they're um, wanting to transition out or wanting to look at other uh, options as far as career goes. So, yeah, there's lots of things we can do. Well, Esther, it's great work. Thank you. And thank you very much for sitting with me again on the Crime Couch today. Thanks, Rochelle. It's been great. Thanks for joining me. I'm Rochelle Jackson, and I look forward to your company next time on the Crime Couch. Mm-hmm.